Light the fight. And we should make it like a cheer for like a high school team. It's like, light <laughs> the fight. Come on down to fight okay. it. Light the fight. You know, like on a Friday night. In case night, you can't envision this, you got David, he's like sitting in his chair. The fight. And he's, he, it, that was like improv. Like cheer hands, like up in the air, get my <laughs> megaphone. You know, I, I could tape my wrist really tight. I noticed always um, in college, all the college male cheerleaders, they tape their wrists really tight. <clears throat> and they would say, you know, to give support to the girls. But I played football. The guys that I'm friends with, like, because I was friends with a couple guys that were male cheerleaders. And I'm like, come on. We know why you're taping your wrist really tight. The same reason why the football players are. Exactly. To make so your veins pop out. Ripped. So he looks all buff and ripped. <laughs> I'm like, just admit the reason why you're taping your wrist. And finally, one day, my friend's like, all right. It might be part of the reason why I tape my wrist. I'm like, come on, those girls ain't that heavy, right? Like, listen, you're you're like three, like 250 pounds, big ripped guy. Come on, you don't need to tape your wrist. Your wrists are fine. Well, um, on that note. On that note, what are we doing? Oh, we're doing a podcast. Okay, Light the Fight podcast. It's Welcome about back. It's about young men and, no, I'm just kidding. It's about parenting and life and family. And I like how we put in the logo, Parenting Pitfalls podcast. It's... It's true, man. Yeah. The only way you get down to our podcast is you've had to make a lot of mistakes. <laughs> then you can relate to us. Except for here's the thing. I've, somebody said to me this week, you know, I've made so many mistakes. And I had, to, I had to stop and I had to say, a mistake is when you know better. Because if you, if you really don't know better, then it's not a legit mistake. Right? I, I mean... When you know better and you're doing it, then then that's a mistake and you need to be accountable for that. But there's a lot of things that's happening with parenting that you're doing the best you can. It's an accident. Sometimes and it's a, a multi-car accident. <laughs> <laughs> you have multiple children. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, parenting is is really just part of what we talk about. And that's the funny thing about as I'm out and about, and I, I think I mentioned before, like I swear I run into people at Costco. Hobby Lobby this time too, parking lot. Neaters. <laughs> I've been with you. Neaters for. I start being careful. Um, as I run into listeners, and that's the first thing. It's like, okay, let's talk about the podcast. And um, I totally forgot what I was, what I was going to bring up. Well, just, it's good to have feedback. About, yeah. Uh, uh, feedback. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And people, are <laughs> sorry, people are like, it's not just parenting. This is like, you know, been so enlightening on on this circumstance, on this situation, and and so on one. Do hand, they realize they're giving you a compliment for being flawed? Like, thank <laughs> you for having all these issues. Thank you for being such a problem child and being willing to stand on the on the stage and have the spotlight on. And and it, it granted, it is also that like when people tell me and listen to the podcast, and then I'm like, oh. Which one? And I kind of brace myself to to decide what they're actually thinking in their head about me. <laughs> um, but it's the truth. It 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 is more than just parenting. And I'll have people who are like, you know, my kids are only six and seven years old, and it applies there. And so that's what's kind of amazing about these tools is that they're not only for teenagers. It's not only for really dangerous or scary or horrible circumstances um it's for 
it's for all that. Well, it's just good information is good information. That's what's so cool about like, you know, the internet and Google, you know, if, if we're really looking for something um, specifically something that's going to help us with a problem, um, you know, we go to Google, we go, we go to our favorite search engine and we start researching that we find it. Unfortunately, things that like, you know, parent relationships, family, you know, interpersonal relationships, we can often go and we can look for certain things, like for example, how to talk to your teenager, you know, how to have a better relationship with them. We can go to those places, we can read the books, we can even take a couple seminars. But I think what people are experiencing listening to us is they're going through this with us. Like we're just talking about it. So for example, we start out, or if you remember in our first podcast, this wasn't our first actual podcast. It was our first, it was our third first podcast. <laughs> So if you remember, we talked about like, yeah, we're going to do a 50 uh, page pamphlet and we're going to do like a workbook and we're still planning on doing that. But what we realized as we started talking about all the different types of stuff, we realized that we're just going to talk about the things that are relevant in our lives, questions or people asking us. And then we'll go back and we'll pick like the top 50 ones and then we can dissect it and add more detail about those specific topics. But right now when people come to a podcast, not just our podcast, but any podcast, when people go to it, it's almost like you don't know what you're going to get. Like there's this excitement. I come and it's, I it's, don't know what I'm going to get. It's almost like, it's like, 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 like you're like, okay, like what, what like, what are they going to talk about today? Cause we may be like our last conversation. Okay. Let's talk about depression. And then we start, ah, no, we're not talking about that. We're talking about this worldview of why people are even struggling to the point where depression is even increasing more. So I see that as educational. Like, so one podcast, whether it's ours or someone else, you'll go to, it's like, wow, I went to school and I just got a freaking bachelor's degree in something that I would have never seeked out on Google or a specific book, but yet I needed the information. That's what to me is coolest about podcasts is that you get all these little surprise nuggets, all these things you didn't even <laughs> intend to get I didn't in. know I needed to know this. Yeah, and you're going to laugh at things that you didn't realize that you thought were funny until someone put it or framed it in a certain way. So it's been fun for me to, to do one because I'm a big fan of podcasts. I know the same thing for you, Heidi. It's been fun for you to do one. Um, fortunately for me, I don't get to run out to adult. I don't get to run into adult human beings out in the, out in the community <laughs> um, that are comment on the podcast. A couple times when I go to the gym in the morning, because I uh, just know everybody at the gym, a couple clients. But for the most part, it's I talk to teenagers all day, go to the MMA gym that I train at, go home, and that's about it. So <laughs> I'm glad you keep uh, your ear to the streets and let me know what everybody's saying. And uh, for anyone out there listening, um, just a little plug reminder, if you have questions that um, you either personally are going through with your life right now or just things that have been weighing heavy on your mind, please uh, go to uh, elevatepodcasting.com leave a message slash email, um, go to Heidi or myself's Instagram and uh, share some direct messages for us there because we'd happy we'd be happy to answer any of your questions here on the show. Um, today though, Heidi, I know this has been one topic, one of your favorite things that we've talked about, um, you've been wanting me to talk about and for us to talk about. And so well, let's just do that today. So why don't you set this one up normally, or sometimes I set it up, but once you set this one up, and kind of give like the premise of it and then we'll just dive into it. So the reason why I want to talk, actually this has been, this has been at the top of my list and I've kind of skipped over it a couple of times. Um, and this, this week in particular, I found myself sharing this concept with several people. And 
it was very similar to the first time that you kind of taught it to me, major light bulb moment. And so I'll set it up by saying that this, for me, I have always been an either or kind of a person. Um, And I don't know if that's how I was necessarily, how I was raised. I don't know if it's my religious component of my life or just like my personality, but it's black or white. It's either or it's this way or that way. Yeah. I mean, I just like pick a lane and, and go in that lane. And, um, and because of that, there, in this particular situation for me, um, and in every way, so, so I'll talk about the heavy one. Um, for me, when I lost my son to suicide, it didn't compute. And so I, I felt like a horrible mom. I felt like we had a bad family. I felt like I had obviously done everything wrong. And like everything bad, horrible was my, was my reality. And so that's what I had to feel. I, I was just trapped in this, like everything's horrible, nothing's okay. Um, I've made all these mistakes, I didn't know what to do. And, and I was sort of mired in that. I didn't want to eat. I didn't want to have, I didn't want to feel good. I didn't want to have fun. I didn't want to have relief. I didn't want to even care for myself. I didn't want to do anything because I was busy being miserable. And that was all I could do. Not only that. Full-time job. It it really is. And and It was at least at that particular time. Also, I didn't think, according to my theology of, of my whole entire life, it wasn't even an option. Like, like how could God allow that? Why, why did, if I believe in God and if I'm a spiritual person that's trying to do good things and trying to be a follower of Christ and, and this, da, 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 how could this even happen to me? Like, obviously this was a punishment. Obviously, um, God doesn't love me and he's abandoned me and all these things, like just everything was negative and horrible and, and that was it. That was what I was choosing. That was where all I was feeling. And as we kind of went along and we started going out, started, started moving on one day at a time, this and that, uh, I was trying to get, you know, realizing, okay, I've got other kids and I, and I have a job to do and I have some things, but it was so hard for me to move on. So, so that's one circumstance that this concept applies. I'm not going to tell you the concept yet because then there's a, there's another concept. Tune in next time. (laughs) No, no, don't worry. We'll get to it. Um, another, maybe not so heavy situation where, um, as far as my work goes, I was like, in general, I really love my job. I feel really lucky and blessed and I kind of have to pinch myself that I even get to get to do something that I love for my job and that I've been able to meet 
amazing people and blah, blah, blah. Like it's good, but it's also freaking frustrating and things go wrong every single day. And I sit in meetings at the office for eight hours a day and we talk about problems. We don't ever talk about things that are going good ever. No, we only talk about everything that's going bad and every single problem I'm supposed to come up with a solution to it. And it's been super, it's super hard. And so I kind of was getting mired in that, like, okay, either or, you know, I'm miserable. It's frustrating. It's negative. And so I couldn't, I didn't feel like I could be happy about the things that I knew were blessings or I was kind of discounting the blessings. And I was very focused on the frustration and things that weren't going right. Because frankly, for eight hours every single day, we're talking about what doesn't go right. And so that was where my mindset was. So I share these two very different experiences to sort of prove how this concept is pertinent for old and young, bond and free, like (laughs) multiple circumstances. And I just remember you saying, well, this is so simple. (laughs) <laughs> first of all I did not say it Matt you put it like I was like shaming you it's like this is so simple what's wrong with you Heidi can't you get it <laughs> why are you so dumb come on like, I... no he well I remember it was also and we, we're not well, gonna... I usually say it's so simple which is why it's so difficult because right. it there's by the way what we're about to talk about you've probably heard this in some way shape or form just way too busy too much information, just, you're going to hear this in a lot of maybe self-help things you've talked about, like you've learned in the past, or maybe gone to a conference or read a book, whatever. Except so for I was 44, 45 years old, and I had never heard this. Well, here's so. the thing, no, you're not going to hear it this particular way. Here, Here's the reason why I said it was so simple, and what it kind of caught you off guard. It's because after many years of seeing what did all these things have in common that tend to work for people that were making change, that were having intense stress, intense pain and stress, intense problems. But at the same time, they're still able to perform, show up to certain responsibilities and and somehow have some progression. I just kind of just figured out the small little, kind of like the statements versus questions. The statements versus questions, I've had a couple of people tell me like, dude, I've known this, but they just knew it a longer drawn out version. They didn't know it in something so simple. So go ahead and continue saying like, that's what I meant by it being simple, was not that it was easy, but it was so simple, sometimes it was easily overlooked. So he so he says to me, I wish that I could like mimic you. Play it you. back. I, I wish that oh, I could like- Oh, mimic me? And I when we get on the I video could, camera, like, you can mimic me as soon as we start recording this. I wish that I could like say, say how you say it. I'm a terrible like impressionist, but it's like- <laughs> I wanna see you try. <laughs> you gotta start using the word and. And I look at him like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and and he's like, yeah, stop using the word but and start using the word and. Again, not following you at all. And so then he has to he has to illustrate. You're frustrated with work and things aren't going right. And, you know, you're focused on the negative, blah, blah, blah. All this stuff is getting you down and you're doing what you love. And you're reaching all these people and you're designing products that you're excited about. It's both. And I was like, 
You mean I don't have to just pick a lane or just choose an emotion? You mean there's two emotions that I could be feeling about this experience? Right? This, like, why is it so mind-boggling to me? And yet, so now let me just switch over to the Corey situation. I was broken, sad, miserable, like all those feelings that I've talked about. And I needed to go and have a family picture taken because Colton was getting ready to go on his mission. And the thought of taking a picture, a family picture without Corey, was almost more than I could even wrap my head around. I, I, was, af- I was afraid. I remember, yeah. And, and we had to have this conversation. I had to call you on the day before because I was so upset. Like, how can I even do this? But how can I not do this? You know, and he's like, well, you got to say and. Um, yeah, you have to use the and because that's what I used to talk about. I call this the and. Like, the, that's just what I named it, and. And so, continue. I'm, I miss Corey. And, and. I don't want to dishonor and him. And I don't want to. Right, I can't yeah. leave him out. Like, yeah. how, how can I take a family? How can we keep going forward? How can I hang up a picture without him, him in it? I'm stuck now forever with that last family photo. That is it. That is the end. No more Christmas cards. Right. Right. Well, I still haven't done a Christmas card. I know. But like at that moment, <laughs> at that moment, you can't picture. Those, at that moment, there's no way you that's, can picture another sweet. Christmas card. We haven't card gone yet. to that podcast. <laughs> I didn't tell you to confess that. <laughs> but at, at the same time, Colton was going to be leaving. And family pictures are important to me. And this was my family that I wanted to hang on to and that I wanted to celebrate and that I wanted to lead. You're protective of that family. And so I had to say, I had to look at myself in the mirror, which I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm sad and this is hard and I'm scared. And I really want a beautiful family picture of these people that I love. And this is important to me. And I'm going to face this. And we're going to look at, into a camera and smile, which at that point was still very hard for me. For some reason, like cameras were very uncomfortable for me. And, and so a friend of mine from Arizona, who I feel very comfortable with, who was very close friends of our family, who was my kid's babysitter when we were young, came up and she's the one that took our pictures. And it was, it was the flats, right? Yeah, out of the salt flats. Yeah. And it was safe and we could joke. And no kidding, and I've talked about this before and I actually talk about it all the time, like the devil literally comes to your house when you're getting ready for family photos. There is no, <laughs> there is no other time to make everybody he's like got a legion other. of minions specifically assigned to people trying to have family, family pictures you're out family pictures at 5196 <laughs> <laughs> you know i'm out i'm out you know surround the house we're going in i mean it was bad everybody was mad about clothes they're mad about hair they're mad about driving 75 minutes to the salt flats it was it was everything mad we drove in the car in silence to salt flats and it it wasn't just this time it wasn't just a regular family photo like 
minions it was like all like the extra ones like yeah. you know how could any of you even dream of doing this to Corey? um so how could you forget him how could you leave him out and then yeah. i did i have had people say how could you take a family photo how can you even smile and i have to say well the end because you can have a panic attack and feel like you're dishonoring your son, you're leaving him out, and the reality of it is, is if he was here, you would have him in it. But he's of not course. here. And the family that I have here, I can't not love and care and cherish and celebrate. The fact that Corey's not here doesn't take away the family that is here. And that's easier said than done. But what what a super powerful thing. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw, throw the ball back to you. I'm going to pass the baton back to you and have you kind of talk a little bit more about how you explain it and how you use this and that, that concept of being able to feel two conflicting emotions at once and, and how that's allowed. Cause I didn't think it was allowed. So about a week ago, I, I don't know what brought me to thinking about this, um, and it goes back to our earlier podcast about shame versus guilt. And we're talking about the shame game. And uh, I often say things like just because you're winning the shame game doesn't mean you don't have to play anymore. Like just because you're doing good and you got some momentum and you're rolling doesn't mean that you can just, you know, just relax, take it easy. You know, don't, you know, not be mindful of the people in your life and the relationships that you have going on. And I was just thinking about like shame in general and kind of like almost like the origin of how, cause I was these podcasts after I listened to them, like, where did I first see this? How did I see the pattern? Cause all I'm talking about here when I say things like, Oh, you know, I've, I've, um, you know, I've worked with these types of families or these types of people. What I really should be saying is just, I'm just connecting dots. I'm seeing that certain families that did this one thing or a certain person that did this one thing, for some reason, they were able to transition and evolve more quickly out of hurtful, painful struggles. They weren't exempt. It wasn't like they could skip over them. For some reason, they just kept momentum through those muddy times in their life. And then I also saw patterns in people that would stay stuck for longer periods of time. Now, because everyone has different life circumstances, you can't compare everything, right? You can't say, well, this person's rich, this person poor. But what I could compare is I could compare the patterns of people that were finding success versus people who were stuck and unable to see or feel or believe that they could have success. And what I realized, I'm a good trash talker. Oh yeah, you are. No, no, so I like I'm a good and, and I'm just gonna say it. Apologize for everybody out there. I'm a really good shit talker, and let me tell you what I mean by this. Okay, so at an early age, some of my friends around me they picked up on it. Like we all have our skills. Like my one friend's like, oh, he's really good at math. So you know, hang out next to him if you want to pass math class. Another kid like, oh, you know, he's really good at this. So just like as adults, when our car breaks down, like, okay, who? What friends do I have that are mechanics? You automatically start thinking the people that are closest to you that you can use. Well, because the environment and the family that I grew up with 
you know, my two older brothers played in the NFL. My sisters would have played in the NFL if they had a, fo- a female <laughs> league. <laughs> they were definitely probably tougher than all of us together. And it was just a very intense, aggressive, like you had to protect yourself verbally just as much as you did physically because you're going to be being attacked by your siblings or something was going to go on. And then being in athletics and being competitive, I started to find out some people were really good at when someone would talk trash to them, thinking of witty comebacks that would stop the person that was attempting to bully them or attempting to um, embarrass them. And certain people's comebacks were so witty and so clever. The person who started the fight was, they're myths and they're, they're like, shut up, man. Like, and what I found out is a lot of my friends would walk away from scenarios and later on would tell me, man, I wish I would have said this. I wish I would have said well, that. Well, I think we've all been there. And we've all been there. But one thing that I, that I figured out is that a lot of people were like, dude, how did you think to say that at that particular moment? That was clever. That was a good comeback. And then people would say things like, man, I wouldn't want to talk trash with you. Like, I wouldn't want to get into it with you. And I was never, hey, I'm trying to be the best trash talker. I was just tired of seeing people getting bullied. And I might have been the person bullying someone when I was younger. I look back at my high school years and I realize that there's friends that as adults have had conversations and they brought up stuff to me because they felt more safe and comfortable of times where I really hurt them. And I, like this one kid, he like basically said I ruined his high school career. It was something that I started as a joke that I thought everybody was joking about. It just stuck. I didn't mean for it stuck. It was just for a couple friends. And he told me years later, this is just like a couple years ago, he told me like that he hasn't been able to live that down. I was like, are you serious? People still talk about these. He told me all these stories how he heard about these things for a long period of time. So I make it a, I made it a mental note. I'm like, you know what? I need to start using my powers for good instead of evil. <laughs> because it was a fine line because I could use it to talk trash, to piss people off. Some of my friends, one of my best friends, DJ Swole. What's up, John? If you're listening. <laughs> this dude, one time, he got so tired of my, my stuff. And this big, tongue dude, like 6'5", huge guy. And he looked at me. He's like, dude, I want to punch you in the face so bad right now. <laughs> And he was like, I, I just was getting the best of him. I just on top of it. And so I'd heard these things throughout my life. And I'm like, you know what? If I use my powers for good instead of evil, I could use this trash talking to help people that they were talking trash to themselves. That's when I started to realize what shame was. Shame was that bully inside your head. Shame was the person who you opened up and shared all your deep secrets with. And then they used it against you. It was the person who used to be a best friend, but now is turning on you. And so getting... Which is literally like the worst betrayal, the, the worst yeah. feeling that there even is. You thought that they're on your team. Come to find out they've been mocking you the whole entire time. Mm. Well, how this leads into the and was I was thinking about it and yourself included. We've talked about recently. You're like, I think I forget how you said it. You're like... How did you get so good at this whole like facing your shame and dealing with shame? Because it's not like I don't have shame that doesn't come up. I just got really good at talking trash back. Sometimes the best defense is a really good offense. And so then I started seeing patterns with people. I got a really unique experience. For years, people are sitting in front of me and they're saying out loud their thoughts that they're not saying to anyone else. So I have the only seat in the house where I get to see what they're 
spouse isn't seeing, their parents aren't seeing, their coworkers aren't seeing. The confessions that people have given to me because they just trusted me and we got a good relationship and they're like, man, this guy must hear crazier stuff than this. Like, this ain't, he's not going to be shocked <laughs> with this one, right? And it's true. I'm rarely shocked with anything. But as I started to see how bad this, people call it self-talk, you know, the stuff like that, they had such a horrible time fighting back these things that they believed were coming from themselves that were inside of them and were just like just demonizing them just like torturing them and so then in counseling i started to realize like that's what you think about yourself that's that's what you say to yourself like on certain days yeah i go i'm like so how's that work out like horrible like it doesn't work out at all i'm like okay i'm like so have you ever been able to like get through these tough times because you have a job, you're going to work. And I'm just thinking of a, a typical parent, right? That's been beating themselves up and they have all these things in their mind that they can't make a decision on. And they would say things like, yeah, like, yeah, I beat myself up like all, all this time. And then they'd say out loud all the dialogue and the different stories that they would tell themselves. So people exposed all the trash talk that they're giving themselves to me. Then I started to see everybody was doing the same thing. Well, everyone that I was seeing because they were coming in really struggling with something, didn't matter what brought them to that place. They were having what I call very victimizing thoughts. It comes from their own shame, insecurities, right? And then, but what happens, or it triggers their own shame and insecurities, I should say. But what happens is when they entertain certain thoughts, it made them feel like a victim. And we can go on the this in a different podcast, but I'm going to just switch just for a second. So as I started to see these victims speak out loud, they'd say, like, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't. You know, no matter what, I'm never going to be successful with this. This person's never going to be happy with me. I'm always going to be in pain. I can never get out of this situation no matter what. It was definite. So I would hear them say a hundred things that they're struggling with. And because their brain couldn't possibly wrap their head around all these hundred struggles, they go, let me just tie them all into one big ball, make a big definitive statement and say, that's my life. And I sat there and I remember one day, I can't remember who it was. I remember this is guy. And this is, this is why I started figuring out how to use my powers for good instead of evil. He was like, no girl wants to date me. I'm this, I'm ugly, this and that, blah, blah, blah. He's like, it's like, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, every girl only wants me as a friend. You know, he had, he was the permanent, you know, friend zoner, right? Like he just, that's where he lived in the friend zone and he'd make jokes about it. And then one day I looked at him, I said, so you feel like all these girls will never be attracted to you because of all these various reasons. He's like, yeah. I said, damn. I said, I don't blame him for feeling that way. Sucks to feel that way. I go, but you know what? You can feel that way and you can be full of crap. I remember he looked at me. I was like, what, you're the judge on what you can and can't do now? When's the last time you raped someone? He was like, what? I would never rape someone. I never do anything horrible. I'm okay. So we started the worst case scenario. <laughs> you're not a raper and you're not a bad guy. And he's like, well, of course I'm not a bad guy. I'm a good guy. You know, I was being extreme. I like to throw those big things out there to shock people. I go, so you're a good guy. You, you're a good friend. I, I can relate. <laughs> you're a good friend. Just want to see if people are paying attention, right? <laughs> you're a good friend. You, you know how to talk to girls. You're nice girls. They're nice to you. Okay. So you can feel like you're undateable and you can have lots of great relationships with friends 
and you just need to figure out how to date girls instead of just befriend them. So at that moment, it was pretty clear that he was his own enemy. He was a hater on himself. And when he started to hate on himself, I challenged it with like, yeah, I could see why I'd feel that way. And you could be ridiculous. And you could be overthinking this to the point where now you have to be a victim because your whole entire identity is I'm the guy that's never going to get the girl. Yeah, you can feel that way. And you can also keep on working and to figure it out so you can have a choice of girls. So you have to surrender and just date the first girl that like hugs you. Because he was a perpetual, if a girl gives him attention, he's like, I'm in love with her. I'm like, no, you're just in love with the fact that someone might possibly perhaps someday like you. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like throwing anything out there. He was fishing with any bait that he could possibly get. I go, but the reality of it is, is a lot of these girls that you're really nice to, you actually don't like. I said, let's be honest. You can be nice to them and you can do all these nice things to them and you just want them to like you. And they may not be good for you. So... As I started to experiment with this with different people, I use the and as the big one, but it's also and, and it's and and or. And and or sounded funny, so I just stuck with and. People have come to me the same thing. They said, you know what? My husband's this, my wife's this, my kid's this, blah, blah, blah. So because of all these things, you know, I have to make a decision. I have to take away their car. I have to get a divorce. And I'd look at them and say, or you could be overreacting right now because all these things in your life, financial stress, everything is pressuring you to make a decision and you feel like you have to make a decision right now and it might be the worst time for you to make this decision. So it's pretty, it's pretty simple what happens with our minds. If we don't know how to wrap our head around two or three things, then we start to open up other options. Next thing you know, now we're trying to make 20 decisions instead of three decisions. Couldn't make three decisions. Let's try and see if we can make 20 instead. <laughs> And then our brain's like, overload, overload. I can't, I can't take any more of this. And so our brain says, you just need to make one solid decision that covers everything. Well, I'm here to tell you, if you put down all your feelings and emotions and things that you're really struggling with to, to work towards or to make a decision on, if you put them all across a table and sat them out there, like just wrote them down on a piece of paper and put all these piece of papers on a table, you don't have to pick one. And that's a crazy thing about our minds is we get fixated that we have to make a definite decision based upon how we feel in an emotional situation for a long-term outcome. We talk about this in suicide all the time. I never met anyone that attempted suicide at a close call that came and talked to me that wasn't like, dude, I'm glad that didn't work out because I wasn't really trying to die. I just couldn't imagine feeling this way anymore. So I felt that was my only option. But man, a couple things happened later and the people that have lost, I'm like, I know for a fact they would, if they were here, they'd be like, all right, okay, huge learning experience. Okay, what can I do to help change the world? From right. Junior Seau to your son, because that's what everyone I know that's been through that to face that, they all want to get in the fight. So sometimes we need someone to model for us how to win our trash talking battle inside of our own mind. And how to know if we're pushing ourselves and encouraging ourselves and trying to be better or if we're being a hater. Because there's a fine line between the, the one who's being the tough coach, like you can do better, you can go harder, or the person that's just the flat out hater. You could do better and you could go harder if you weren't like so tired all the time and if you weren't such a horrible excuse for a human being. Like it can change really quickly. Like, wait, what just happened? 
So when I talk about the and, when I talk about the or, for me, it's very simple in the sense that our brains have always done better if we can compartmentalize something into the category that it belongs in, take a deep breath and figure out which one we want to work with first. Because if you put everything out there and you say, I have to make a decision on all these things, I'll be like, or that's ridiculous to think you can make a decision about all those things at once. When I say it to people, and not, it doesn't happen like magic, but sometimes people look at me like, why well, was I was trying to do everything at once? It's almost absurd to think you I could. I kind of feel like there's a permission slip yeah. there, honestly. Because for me, it, it's like right or wrong. And that's, that's kind of how I've always approached a situation is what is right and what is wrong. Like, like one or the other, you, you have to pick. And even, even like if you talk about, um, recently I was talking to a teenager that he's, he's struggled, um, 17 year old kid depression, anxiety, struggled with all these kinds of things. And he's like, you know, I'm just, I want to, I want to have a relationship with God. And I know I'm a spiritual person, but the Mormon church is just not for me. No way. Right. Which is, is fine. And, and he's kind of like having all these things in this big muddy soup of, you know, this isn't me and I, I can't do this and I can't, I got to pick one or the other and I'm not going to pick that because I can't, I can't do that right, you know, whatever. And I thought it's okay to not know everything right now. It's okay to have questions and also want to know the answer. It's, it's okay to be scared. Like, okay, so a lot of people will say this, and there's a lot of quotes on Pinterest to back me up. Okay, that well, th- share those with me because I'm not active on Pinterest. That you cannot have, that faith and fear cannot exist together. This is like, yeah. there's a lot of... Lot of I'll count mine on a second. Keep going. <laughs> except for that for me... Right even before Corey died, like, and I'm going to even go further and say a lot of times in my life where I had faith and I wanted to have faith, but I was scared. And they were living in the same room, in the same body. And I felt, and I kind of felt like, well, if I'm fearful, then obviously I don't have faith and so I'm out. So I'm just going to quit trying. But I'm here to tell you that right now, sitting here on this couch talking to you people, wherever you are, that I have faith and fear, burning a big bonfire to, in a happy, good place together. I have faith and fear, and I am still taking one step at a time. There is a possibility to feel multiple emotions about anything at once and it and keep moving it doesn't have to paralyze you it doesn't have to stop you from moving forward it just means that maybe you don't have enough information and I think that that's what you said to me you don't have enough information to separate those two things and decide how you feel so we're gonna carry it for a while we're gonna do both these things for a while until you get to that 
higher place where you can look down and say, oh, okay. So I didn't need the fear. Sometimes you need more time. And the and or, or the or can buy you more time to sift through and to sort certain things out. Because in an emotional state, specifically if we're fearful, right, using the fear one, if we're fearful of something, our limbic system in our brain, the part of our brain, it's like, woo, woo, fight or flight, fight or flight. It's going off. And guess what all of our biology is telling us? Everything else you learned before that moment, you need to bail on it. You need to just survive right now. What we're talking about is using the and or the or gives you an option that you don't have to actually be working on long-term survival at the moment. You a long-term can, solution. You yeah, can or, focus on survival. Yeah, but like that's what I mean. Look, survival right now, but your, your fear that things are going to go horrible right now, that's not even a long-term thing. Like usually it's like right now you're fearful and worried about it, but there's so many things that have to be played out first before your worst fears can come true. And in your situation with losing your son, even though your worst fears have come true, I think it'd be safe to say that wasn't even your worst fear back then because you didn't know it was a fear. And so now it's opened up the door of all these other options. So when people have too much unknown, when they have too many things that their brain has to process and too many decisions to be made, the and and the or can buy you a little bit of time, give you some, you know, just give you some space so that you can sit back and do some more due diligence. You can see how things play out. You can feel, and, and I'm going to comment on the faith and fear thing, you can feel a whole lot of fear. But in certain areas in your life, you can have great amounts of faith. Right. And, and I get, you know, I, I really get when with the whole Pinterest thing, and I see where people are coming from when they're saying you can't have faith and fear coexist at the same time. They're like oil and water. Faith and fear is like oil and water is one that, that I've right, heard Right, but you can put oil and water in one bucket. You can't put them in bucket. They don't mix well, right? Right. So, but yeah, you can put them in one bucket. You're absolutely right. When people say like, um, you can't have faith and fear, I go, I get what you're saying, but consider it this way. Isn't that really what the human experience is quite a bit mixed with? Faith and fear? You have to have faith that if you get up and you go to that job every day that they'll keep on paying you. They won't close down. You know, they won't fire you. You have to have faith for a lot of things. But you also have to have fear that if I don't get up and go to that job every day, I won't have a good chance of keeping the job and I won't be able to pay and provide for my kids. So they actually can work as great partners as long as they're not obsessive. And that's what people are usually talking about. It's like if you're obsessively consumed with fear, then you can't possibly have a lot of faith. Well, you hit it right on the head. It's just like, that's like, like me. Like I could get food poisoning from eating bad sushi and three days later I can fly to San Diego and gorge on a bunch of sushi. My wife's like, that's ridiculous. She's like, I, she's like, you're such a smart guy. Why would you do something so stupid? I go, I can be smart and do something stupid. <laughs> People can have faith and have fear. I know that wasn't a smart thing, but I love the sushi back home in San Diego. We all have those battles. So if you put it out on the table like we're talking about, you can say, yes, in these areas, I have a crap load of fear. But in these areas, I have a crap load of faith. All right, let me roll the dice and let's see how this thing plays out. Well, and I think so. So when we talk about this concept as a parent, I think that's super applicable in, in, in our lives. Like, you know, oh, um, just like the things that I've talked about. Here I've got a kid that is struggling and I'm mad at him because they're, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. They're, they're not keeping their commitments or they're, they're going off 
the deep end or whatever you say. And I love them so much and I would do anything for them and I'm going to be here for you. And, and it's kind of like, okay, for a parent, these things do coexist, right? So, so we do this all the time. It's just kind of giving this, this podcast is giving you permission to, to be mad or to be, um, worried and dis discouraged and frustrated with your child and love them more than anybody on this planet and, and believe in them and have hope for them and want to help them. So here's your permission. You don't have to just be mad at them or just be proud of them. You can actually be mad and proud of them and believe in them at the same time. Okay. And, and you're making a really good, important distinction, especially for parents out there that have teenagers, because what happens very frequently is that you know, you brought up the whole religion thing. Here in Utah, that's a big thing. You know, I counsel a lot of parents that are struggling with their teenagers with religion. And I think it's less about the actual religion and it's more, well, every situation different. But I see the commonality. It's less about the actual religion and it's more about someone telling you that you need to feel and think and believe something that took them a lifetime to feel, think, and believe. And that's where the and can come in really, really helpful for a lot. Well, it has come in for a lot of, a lot of people really helpful where they can be like, I can want my son to believe what I believe. I can want him to go to church and be happy and sing the songs and be all excited and these types of things. And he can also be a teenager and just not want to do anything on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to mean that because he's not excited while he's vacuuming that he's not vacuuming. <laughs> he's like, he's vacuuming. He just doesn't like it. He's at church. Maybe he just didn't feel like being there. And I don't know why I'm saying he, it could be obviously a boy or girl. It's just helpful for parents to see that you can want this for your kid right now. And they may not be looking for it and they may just need more time. And at the end of the day, when I talk to parents and say, okay, are you going to stop loving your kid if they don't go to church? Everyone's like, of course not, whatever. You wouldn't prefer it, but you wouldn't stop loving them. If your kid had almost got killed in a car accident and then, you know, two years later they go through rehab and therapy and they're finally able to walk again, are, are you going to be like, you know, I'm only going to support you through your rehab if you go to church with me? No. Like there's so many things that like you can want something for them and they can want something different for themselves and you can still have a really good relationship. We don't get to, we don't get to sh- like weigh the dice in our favor. We don't get to be like, I'm going to gamble, but I want to make sure that I come out on top with what I want. So the ands and the ors can help us put ourselves in check and perspective. And like we always talk about in this podcast, you can also model for your kids. If you're sitting there and you're telling them that you're stressed out and they're like, are you mad at me? It's like, you know what? I'm stressed out and I'm mad. I'm mad at the situation. I'm mad at what happened. I'm not happy with you, but you know, I love you. I got your back. I'm just really frustrated about the situation. What you're doing for them is they're seeing that their dad or their parent can have intense emotions, can be fearful, can be scared, and can still talk about that they have intense emotions, they're fearful and they're scared. They don't have to go into some deep lockdown where now everybody has to be punished or you guys have to learn a lesson. It could be like, yeah, I'm not in a good place right now. Give me 50 feet, whatever you, whatever you need to tell your kids right then to tag your spouse in or call a friend like, hey, can you watch them for a few minutes? Do these things because you can be stressed out where you think you want to get a divorce, that you want to disown your kids, and you're still going to show up the next day trying again. And they still mean the most. And they still are the most important thing to you in your whole entire life. So, 
so what I think is so great about this concept is as, as we think about it as a parent from the parent's perspective and, and, and then you can take this and you can teach this to, in particular, any child, you know, um, and I can think of ways that I, that I've used this in my home, you know, take Connor who, who doesn't like to go to school. So every single morning when I wake him up, it becomes this, I don't want to go to school. And so we have to go through this. I know you don't want to go to school. I don't blame you. I don't want to go to work. And you could have a great day. And once you get rolling, just like you always do, you're going to be fine. And, and so I think that it becomes that reminding them that they can have both feelings about this and, and giving them the permission slip to hate it, but also know that when they get there, they're going to have a fun time with their friends. A, a, little, a little trick to throw in there that I don't know if I've ever shared with you before. I tell some parents, especially some parents, they're not really good at faking this at first. So they're like, like oh, really? Well, you can be mad at me and I can be mad right back at you. Like I had this one mom, she said that. I'm like, that's not what I meant by that. Like, <laughs> but good shot. So one little add-on that you can do to it is you can simply ride the wave with them. You can say, you feel bad, huh? So yeah, it's like, I bet you you're worried that if you don't go to school today that you're going to get further behind in grades and, and this is going to happen and this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Like, yeah, like kind of going with them, repeating basically what they just said. Yeah, and then I'm scared of this, I'm scared of that. It's like, okay, well... I'm glad that you realize that you got a lot weighing on you going to school today. So I'm glad that you can be scared and fearful of all these things and you can still give it a shot anyways. So riding the so wave kind of with using them, some validation. riding the wave with them is instead of fighting um, resistance with resistance, right? A lot of martial arts talk about this, like, you know, soft way is the most strong way. It's like, you know, the gentle way. It's like just accepting it. So accepting what their struggle is and riding that with them and then using the and just to pivot a little bit and bring it back to reality. Because a very important thing that led me to understanding about the and was something very simple when people would share their greatest fears and emotions and they'd tell me all these feelings that they're having, all these thoughts that they're having. I found out after hearing a lot of similar fears and emotions from people, because you know I'm a family therapist, so I'm hearing like kids and spouses and stuff. I found out that in their greatest fears while they're going through all this stuff, their fears were actually very real. I mean, there's sure. a real reason to have these fears. Sure. And they weren't necessarily always reality. In fact, more times than not, they had nothing to do with reality in their fears. And so... I just have to type that into my notes here because I do want to talk about that more. And, and so what I, started, what I started to see time and time again is that our feelings, our fears, our worries, all those anxious thoughts, they're very real, but they're not necessarily reality. They're not the big well, picture. And so let they're, me, a, they're a snapshot. They're like a selfie, intense version of it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it just got it just a right. A selfie with an awesome filter. Exactly, with an awesome filter. Like it, it got it just right. But it's like, yeah, I'm a horrible parent and... And I, this is the example I, I usually use. I'm a horrible parent and Department of Child and Family Service hasn't come to take my kids today. <laughs> I've always joked around with you about because you've been openly about like, I need to get better at dinners when I do dinners for my family. And I'm always like, okay, well, if you throw Tostina pizza rolls, Capri Suns, 
whatever like lunchables for dinner i don't know like if you throw that out there no like there's nobody that's going to take your kids and say you're a horrible mom you're just not meeting the expectation you envisioned and so and you're absolutely right and and also the or gives you a pass it gives you permission pump the brakes don't like live and die on this issue let it play out for a little bit do a little bit more due diligence and in time you'll find out more valuable information to find a workaround or to work through and and so i, I want to add just one more element of that i feel like has worked really well my my kids um, and i and i know they're not different than other kids start going through this freak out of if i'm not successful in high school how am i ever going to be successful at life and, and it happens like in, in a math class, it happens with the ACT, it happens with graduation, it ha- you know, whatever. There's a lot of things that, that go on that equal, I'm never going to be successful at life because that's the greatest fear at, at, the, at that place. I, I think that's at especially least one when, of the greatest especially fears. Especially when their family, their culture, or there's been a certain pathway that's supposed to equal success. Yes, certain path, yes. Yeah, they have it envisioned in their mind. And so I had to say, you know, Quincy upset about grades, upset about a test score. And I had to say, you know, I don't blame you for being upset. And I can see how this could make you feel like you're a failure and like you're, you know, she say things like, no college is ever going to accept me and I'm never going to be successful. And, and so I've said things like, and this test may never matter. You know, there's a good chance that you're going to get your grade this quarter and you're never going to have to produce this information again in your entire life. And and so it's like you might be struggling with this and it might never matter again. You know, so kind of this, this concept of you know, it can feel like everything and it might not be everything, which is, is I guess, your trash talk. Like, Well, and, and there, see the subtle difference between that and just positive thinking? Yeah. Because what you were saying was so close to what a lot of people try to do with their teenagers that doesn't work. They try to just give the compliment them into confidence. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Which is which? Which is what Compl- I tried. Complimenting someone You're, into course, confidence doesn't last. You are smart. You are good looking. You are lovable. You are funny. And when they don't believe that, when they know in their sphere of non-reality or real non-reality that exists inside their head, they don't believe any of that crap that you're telling them because you have to tell them that because you're their mom. Well, and also too, telling your kid that or uh, a teenager or a young person that you love and care about or a spouse that's not a bad thing to say. So we're not saying don't say those things. We're saying when you're saying those things and it's not working and it's not getting the result you want, you can still see that they're weighing really heavy and they can't shake it off. That's when you got to be a little bit more creative. That's when you got to use the and or the or. And then that's when sometimes you got to like, if they're like, well, you know, what? like this is just hard. And if I do this, usually it's, it's a chain reaction. Well, this happens and this is going to happen. Then they'll never like me and then I'll never get married. Or I'll never go to college. Never do it. Yeah, and and you just, is, instead uh, of trying to fight them, just ride it with them, ride it with them. And then once they get to the tail end of it, it's like, damn, like, 
you know, sometimes I'll throw a couple ad th- things on there. I'm like that they didn't think about. I'm like, oh, don't forget, you could also get dumped by your friend group too. They go right, like I could lose my friend group. I'm like, I'm I'm adding fuel to the fire, because once they burn through that, and we pivot on an and or, an or and I bring them back to a baseline, then it's like, okay, you had your moment where the trash talker inside your head, the victim thoughts, the shame played their game. We let them to do their thing. Now we're going to come back to reality. Now let's start from reality. The reality of it is you can feel like crap and not be a piece of crap, period. Right. The reality is you can be worried you can't ever make it to a college and you're a freaking sophomore. Like you got two more years. Like you're like you got time. Someone can fail a test and they can say, I failed a test and so it's horrible. And you're like, damn, that is horrible you failed the test. Do you like the way it feels? No, I don't like it. Okay, so you can not like it and you can work harder for the next one. Doesn't have to be either or. So as you as you kind of take this on board, um, and and as you think about this in your life, I want you to really consider the implications here. You can be struggling as a parent and doubting your own abilities, and know that you're the best person for the job. And you can be making progress. Right. And, and, and you can be learning. And you can do better next time. Um, and so this, this is something that is, is, was life-changing for me and continues to give me um, hope for, my, for myself. And it, it gives, yeah. it's, a, it's a coping yeah. mechanism. It's a, it's a tool. And a tool that I'm also sharing with my kids on a regular basis. And, and I even like shared with the principal and Connor's teacher and two friends at work, you know, like, so talk about this. This is something that when people come to you with their problems, your sister comes to you, you know, anybody, this is something that you can, you can really talk about and share and give somebody some, some power. And that's why I felt like it was such a important thing for us to talk about. No, I'm glad you brought this one up. I want to talk about it too. And, and um, for me, it was kind of cool to think about like how I even like started down this pathway. Yeah, I hadn't heard all that. So and that I thought cool about it. I'm like, dude, like it started when I was young. And it's just like, I just like, I wanted to like not have people punk me and make fun of me and bully me like they did at home. So I was always like ready for like a good comeback. And if I didn't have one, it's almost like I was a comedian, like writing down jokes. I'm like, okay, I got to remember this one. And then over years, I finally got the chance to be able to like, you know, do it right for myself. But then I realized I'm like, man, there's no critic like the one inside your head. So when it comes to your own personal shame, when it comes to the things your own sh- that you're struggling with, do like Heidi said, give yourself a pass, give yourself an allowance, give yourself some leeway. But you don't have to have it figured out right then. And recognize that there's very few things that are going on in our life that are not um, perfectly definitive. And I, I, I think I went so many years feeling like I've got to, I've got to pick how I'm going to feel about this, and even about that person. It's okay to like some things about that person and, and not love some things about you. Not not like some things and not like some things, but still love that person or you know maybe there's two issues in a political arena or whatever and it's like you know I like this and 
I don't like this. And and feel be able to feel those feelings. It's it's okay, it's okay not to have that ultimate conviction and and feel two ways. And and I think that that allows you to connect with people a little bit better too and understand where they're coming from. So um, so that was super enlightening. Anyway, thanks, David. I appreciate it. No, thank you for, uh, you know, picking out all the hot topics. <laughs> That's right. And it ain't at the mall. There ain't no band <laughs> shirt. Hot family topics. I have, I have all you guys caught that on the, on the, on the no pun intended pun. Funny. <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> thanks, you guys, for visiting as always. And until next time, Heidi, would you, would, take us out on something cool. Say something cool. I don't know. I don't have. I don't have them all plans. I'm. I should be. You know, over and out. I don't know. Over. I like it. Over and out. <laughs>